Welcome to What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast with your host, Gigi. This is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of Bitcoin through the personal experiences and stories of those who have taken a dive down the rabbit hole. We explore Bitcoin stories with a diverse range of guests from early adopters, miners, traders, and maximalists. So join us on this exciting journey of past, present, and future Bitcoin, one story at a time. Being open source means anyone can independently review the code. If it was closed source, nobody could verify the security. I think it's essential for a program of this nature to be open source. Satoshi Nakamoto. Welcome to What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast, the show where we unravel the fascinating journeys and insights of individuals deeply entrenched in the world of Bitcoin. I'm your host, Gigi, and today we have a special guest with us, Theo, a trailblazing Bitcoiner and cybersecurity expert. Get ready for an insightful conversation that delves into the heart of Bitcoin, technology, and the ever-evolving landscape of secure digital infrastructures. Theo's story is a testament to the power of passion and perseverance in the world of Bitcoin. So without further ado, let's jump right into Theo's Bitcoin story. Theo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. So then um, let's take it back to, I guess, the beginning. Um, where did your Bitcoin journey begin, Theo? Um, originally, I, the first time I heard anything about it, it was in uni. I was in my second year in uh, computer science and um, a classmate of mine, actually at the top of my class, uh, recommended that we invest uh, some money in Bitcoin because he has seen like some of the big whales saying that the market will pump. Eventually, the market dumped. Uh, we all lost our money. We also all invested through his wallet. So I had no idea what it was. I didn't know anything about uh, investing or I was just very technically oriented. I just heard like digital money. Yes, sure. I mean, <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was my first investment. Perfect. Well, it, it, it sounds like uh, you, you went not the safest route into Bitcoin, in investing into Bitcoin via someone else, essentially, uh, as the saying goes, not, not your keys, not your coins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I had no idea. Though. I didn't even know what the technology was at the time. All right. And, and more or less, when was this? This was 2017, 18? Uh, 2017. It was actually uh, Facebook's uh, Zuckerberg that said that uh, he posted something on Twitter. He posted a picture of a duck, meaning <laughs> uh, like oh, we're, we're going up or you said something about it then. And uh, yeah, uh, obviously market manipulation, the market <laughs> dumped. <laughs> I see. Well, it, it was essentially your start to Bitcoin was a bit of a sticky start, but uh how 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 did it continue from there? I guess there was some period then when you kind of said, uh, "What forget this magic internet money." But at some point, you you returned to it. No, uh, it took a while to be honest. Like I finished my degree and then I went into my masters like uh, six months after I finished the degree to do uh, cybersecurity. It was mm -hmm. about then that I started researching crypto and learning about blockchain and what it was. I then went into my my first uh, organization to work, and uh, I heard a story. 
and um, I was kind of fascinated by it. I was also going into trading at the time, like trading all cryptos. I didn't care. I just heard like, oh, easy money, <laughs> let's do this. Um, but yeah, the um, a classmate, uh, another classmate of mine from uni that was uh, working in the same organization with me. And it was a big uh, telecommunications uh, company, telecommunications provider. Uh, they said like um, some people that had been working for the organization before uh, used uh, this big telecom provider to mine some Bitcoin. And there was like five, six people uh, connected their uh, their Raspberry Pis into through the organization and tried to mine. They basically all got discovered and got fired on the spot. Well, I was like, oh, what is mining? Let's research that. And uh, yeah, that, that was it. And did, did, did you proceed with the mining activities after that? Or that's where I, the, the mining I, stopped? I did build a device, but uh, my main thing was I also, at the time, again, I was going into trading, not really anything to do with the technology, but uh, through this university I signed up for, which, you know, the, the fake universities that teach you trading or whatever, I was actually, I, I was referred to one of them by a friend. So he said, oh, it's perfect. They teach you all these different techniques. And uh, through that, I was like, I discovered more about what uh, other cryptos were, about Solana, about Ethereum, didn't even go through Bitcoin security at the time. So yeah, that was um, 2020, yeah, 2020, I think. So, so, sounds like a very solid course you studied there, Theo, uh, <laughs> without <laughs> learning about the basics of Bitcoin. I mean, going straight to the shitcoin casino on these courses, I mean, uh, it, it, it could be a little bit uh, misguiding, but uh, okay. So, so I guess after that course, you, you kind of decided to, to proceed with, with your own in investments, right, in, in the crypto space. Yeah, I started through their like shorting coins. Uh, what is shorting? What is longing? Learn a little bit about the market. And mm -hmm. then through that, I wasn't really interested through the university. Everything I learned was by myself pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, I then learned about uh, what blockchain actually is because I went through the Binance Academy courses. Um, I, I was just researching online, trying to find everything I could for, for the technology because I became really interested in that. And eventually I quit uh, my job there to start uh, freelancing in uh, Web3. Mm -hmm. Uh, learned the Solidity language through freelancing and uh, continue pursuing uh, cybersecurity at the same time. Amazing. Well, it, it sounds very interesting how you kind of sh shifted your, your career and, and, and went into this very uncertain Web 3.0 uh, world that we find ourselves in uh, at the moment. Uh, but my question to you, Theo, is, is the following kind of, at what point and, and, and when did you have this kind of light bulb moment and this kind of separation of Bitcoin and the rest of the altcoins? Uh, how did that happen? And, and, and what was it, if you remember, what the specific thing that really, you know, kind of gave you the aha moment? Um, it was, I think, a little bit, uh, it was during COVID. 
Um, I had started uh, a startup, let's say, a shitcoin. <laughs> it was called uh, Moneypox. And uh, it, it was when I started realizing, I okay, I'm, I'm vaxxed. I was very uh, like pro-vaccination. Like, I didn't believe all the conspiracy theories, let's say. <laughs> I, I just didn't believe what other people would tell me, like even though, because you could hear a lot of different opinions about uh, COVID. And I just never believed that they could lie to me and like they could manipulate me in such a way. And through that shitcoin that I created with my partner at the time, I I sort of started researching um, uh, uh, the who, uh, eventually the WEF. Mm. I just went into that rabbit hole, and the more I discovered, the more I realized that they eventually even Bitcoin as well is the main should be my main focus. It's the only one that will last after twenty thirty, hopefully not. Uh, but if it does, like I'm, I, I know I'm gonna be a Bitcoin pro now until uh, until we see what's hap- what happens. Amazing. Well, yeah, definitely. Uh, t- to the listeners listening, um, if you want longevity, Bitcoin's your coin. If you want a little uh, pump and dump and a, and a little bit of an adrenaline rush, then uh, the shitcoin casino is open to you with tens of thousands of uh, meme coins and uh, and else to trade. But uh, as the name of the show goes, what is your Bitcoin story? We we focus to the granddaddy of of crypto, which is Bitcoin itself. So, okay, so I guess your kind of aha moment happened through developing your own altcoin in in the period of of twenty twenty, which was the COVID period. And I guess you had a lot of time um, on your hands and and kind of not many social activities to do. So, kind of it was the perfect timing, if you could say so, to learn more about Bitcoin and, and orange or orange pill yourself further. And then kind of what, what was your next step after the, the monkeypox saga? Uh, well, we had, um, I, I was freelancing at the time. So most of my clients are, yes, uh, they do. I have Web2 clients uh, for security and I have Web3 clients for security as well and for development. Um, most of the people out there, like uh, they want to develop NFT projects, let's say, or tokens. And they don't understand that uh, there is no long term to uh, coins like that. If you just make a token ecosystem around uh, solidity, there is no guarantee that it's going to be there in five years. If you make it around Bitcoin, then uh, there are more chances, let's say. Yes, mm-hmm. the market is not that big for it at the moment. So, uh, like 50, I've, I remember this research from uh, two years ago that was saying like most Ethereum users and Solana users are like 15 year olds to 30 year olds, 35 year olds. And um, yeah, so a lot of clients are not going to prefer, obviously, an alternative. They're going to be like, can you code in Solidity? Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of that. And then slowly for myself, I'm going into stacks. Uh, which is a blockchain that you can develop NFTs and tokens onto Bitcoin directly. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm trying to learn as much as possible on that at the moment. Uh, also, because I'm in security, I'm trying to learn a lot, of, a lot about uh, forensics, Bitcoin mm-hmm. forensics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just 
get myself to a place where I can say, yes, I now understand the technology and I can be safe from X or X through transferring and things like that. Amazing. And and I guess having the background and, and, and being an expert in, in the cybersecurity world, both in, in the Web 2.0 and, and Web 3.0, what is your kind of take on 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 Bitcoin security and and kind of forensics, as you mentioned? Um, so for forensics, a lot of people have the idea that they're gonna be if I use Bitcoin to make a transfer, I'm gonna be untraceable. No one's gonna find me if I buy X from dark web or uh, something else. Maybe in the early days, but not anymore. You have a bunch of companies after you that work directly with governments, exchanges uh, that can just give away your data like Google does. Uh, if uh, as a government I go to Binance and like a lot of people use Binance. It's not that I'm against the exchange, but I understand that they're a company. They're trying to make money. So if the uh, government is after you, they go to Binance and say, I want all this, um, all of this month's data. Just give them to me. They will. They're not going to say no. They have a legal uh, obligation to, let's say. Same well, goes with uh, MetaMask as well. Sorry. Um, no, no, go ahead. <laughs> same goes with MetaMask and other digital wallets as well. In terms of forensics, they're companies. They're not... Uh, it's not like you own the wallet. You are going through a company for your own wallet. That's why I'm a, I'm pro using cold wallets. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just it's 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 interesting. Um, you, you mentioned MetaMask because uh, just literally a few days ago, I'm, I'm I'm sure this came across your your news board. Um, the big announcement from MetaMask, who are integrating through a bridge, you're going to be able to basically deposit and switch your Ethereum to Bitcoin directly in your MetaMask wallet. What what is your opinion on that and kind of? What are uh, the, some security implications with that's, that? That's uh, what I also saw. That's why it was the first wallet that came to mind. Obviously, everyone else is doing it. Phantom as well, I've seen. Um, the thing is, like with Solidity, let's say, even with the language directly, like when I remember the Remix ID, for example, it's an ID where you can uh, develop Solidity through directly. Um, they changed their uh, poly- privacy and policy a couple of years ago. And that was when I said, mm, something is going on here. And it was uh, that they can, when you write Solidity, they can now have access to your to your device directly. Um, was basically you are giving them authorization to to control or to monitor your device at the same time. Um, my, that doesn't sound it, very safe. No, it doesn't sound very decentralized, does it? <laughs> no, sounds very centralized, actually, the, the, the counter-opposite. Yeah. Um, there are alternatives to Solidity now, um, like Viber, the Viber language. And that's where like, my expertise in Web2 comes in as well. Um, so the language had a hack a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I think. And the they, the hack that they, the language had, it was that there was a bug on the language, but 
we've seen bugs on Web2 languages as well. And that's where developers come in to patch those languages to the more developers you have, the better. If a new yeah. language is out there, then obviously there are less developers to patch it. And uh, we will, I would say, like, just don't be scared when you see that a hack has happened here, a hack has happened there. It's a very new technology. We've that's literally has been out now for like 10 years. Um, we're in a very, very, very early stage. So hacks are going to happen. They shouldn't scare us. They should just encourage us to find more developers, let's say, to just patch them. Yeah, I'm, I mean, that's that's an interesting point to bring up. And, and also the, the fact that a lot of companies and protocols still to this day get hacked on nearly weekly basis, if not daily basis. Uh, an interesting fact is actually that the fact that Bitcoin hasn't had a serious hack since its inception in, in 14 years. What, what, is, what is your thought on that? No, there definitely has uh, been a lot of hacks during the early days. Uh, there the will protocol? be more. Uh, not on the protocol, like exchanges, I remember. Well, they're um, third, third parties, as, as we said in the beginning, not your coins, uh, not, sorry, not your keys, not your coins. And, and definitely, you know, keeping your coins on exchanges is a big no-no and, and people shouldn't do it because essentially keeping your coins, no matter if it's Binance, as you mentioned, or KuCoin or whatever exchange it is, it's essentially an IOU. Um, and if that exchange gets hacked um, or if it just the founders decide to pack up shop, close shop and leave, you know, you're left with nothing. So, uh, you know, kind of it's it's very important to, to have self-custody. And, and this is something you also, Theo, mentioned. Uh, and maybe we can uh, come back to this in, in a short while about cold storages and, and keeping, you know, your Bitcoin safe with your own because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. And like you said in the beginning, the protocol is actually amazing. Uh, the white paper of Bitcoin is the best, like, uh, white paper I've seen. Uh, all the other crypto coins are bad, uh, bad, but white papers. I've seen like white papers with 40 pages long. Um, that explain nothing. <laughs> that basically try to convince you how they're not a scam. Pretty much. And, and the Bitcoin white paper is what, less than 10 pages. You can read it in, in less than 30 minutes, depending on, on your reading speed. And I think that the power of, of the Bitcoin protocol is, as you said, the simplicity, right? Um, and as the, as the famous Steve Jobs um, had a quote, he said, any idiot can create anything complicated and only a genius can create something simple. And I guess that goes hand in hand with, with the Bitcoin protocol where it's so simple, you know, using some aspects of cryptography, which have been around actually for 40 years, the, the SHA-256 and, 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 and the different proof of work um, that was developed by Adam back some nearly two decades ago. Uh, but, you know, allocating some of those aspects, putting them together and essentially making this Bitcoin protocol, the, the time capsule that nobody can change, people can just adapt. Um, I think it's, it's, it's very powerful stuff that most people don't even realize. They, they look at the price, they go, oh, Bitcoin's 30,000 or 50,000. Oh my God, it fell 20,000. Uh, but I guess they get distracted by the price and speculative aspect more than the kind of technological underpinning and, and, and the sophistication of the protocol. Yeah. And that's the, that's the point, right? Because like now if I gave the 
but the Bitcoin white paper to my mom, she probably wouldn't understand it. It's very technically oriented. Mm. And that's uh, that was his main point, I think. It was to like get people to it. It's a research paper. If you see it, yeah. you understand that it's a research paper. If you see other white papers for ecosystems, let's say, it's just they they have their tokenomics in there. Like, why do you need all those to, to, to show me what? Um, a but three yeah. pages for the team, you know, to to show them how big they are. <laughs> yeah, to to convince you again that they're not the scummy company. We have legit people working for it. Um, that that was one of the things I I wanted to to say is like never trust anyone internal, even if you see the team. I have worked with uh, scammers before, people that have scammed me for a couple of years, and I had no idea that were in uh, in a project just to like prove to you like we are here uh, like a project that i have in mind it was a, a project manager that actually was a scammer that was uh, an in, had an internal hack in mind for mm. a whole blockchain and um he was waiting on the blockchain to list on an exchange for him to actually pull out and then that's how we actually uh, found out about the the hack going on. Um, wow. I remember the guy saying, like I always say, two truths and a lie, and uh, that stuck with me, and it's gonna stay there forever. That's how I actually got into uh, forensics for Web three. It was uh, through investigating what this guy, what other lie this guy might have told me, and uh, just going deeper and deeper, seeing. Uh, through finding his wallet and being like, uh, I'm gonna look for the, this wallet on OpenSea, see what uh, domains this guy might have, see what NFTs this guy might have. I found very expensive ETH domains on his wallet while he was telling me that he he was poor, that he didn't have any money to eat. And then I would see on his actual wallet that he, he was actually rich as fuck and he was lying the whole way along. Yeah. Uh, Never trust anyone internal. Um, if you if you are gonna be involved with the with Web three startups, everyone can be a can be a scammer. <laughs> I I think for the listeners listening to this podcast, they're thinking, "Wow, what what a, what a scammy industry the, these guys are in." But uh, I guess scams are nothing new. Scams have been around prior to blockchain technology coming around, uh, probably from the dawn of man. Uh, there's been bad actors that were looking to exploit other individuals for their own benefits. It's just now in the case of Web 3.0 and, and this whole crypto saga that, that we live in, um, it's just much easier to exploit people. And, and especially people are very vulnerable because, as you said, especially the older generations, the, the moms and pops, they have no idea about these wallet technologies and what they're doing. So, I mean, for the scammers, it's kind of like a, it's their golden age, you know, to go ahead and scam, which... Actually, it's really bad, uh, but I guess this just drives basically for, for people to take security much more serious um, and gives you much more jobs, right, as a, as a, as a crypto forensics individual. Uh, yes, uh, I mainly focus on my day-to-day -day into pen testing. Pen testing means like you're going to a, home, a company to hack it for money, and mm. I see a lot of exposed wallets onto some websites and you think like this person would take the right uh, defense measure, like defend 
defense for themselves, let's say, to actually secure to secure themselves, secure their wallet from being exposed onto the internet. But a lot of people don't even understand that what their wallet can actually do. So just educate yourself. So yeah, that's the main thing. I would love if my my family would understand that in ten uh, years time, twenty years time, they would be getting their pensions in uh, in crypto. So mm. yeah, that would be a good start to actually explain to them what crypto really is. Yeah, I I, I totally agree, but. Like like with anything in this world, right? Theo, it things things take time to change, right? We as a humans, we're 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 kind of molded to to just be in a comfortable state and and not really change to anything. But as as there's one famous quote is the only constant in world is change. The world is changing every single second, and and kind of it's down to you if you wanna move with the change or or stay in the past. But I guess a lot of people want to stay in the past, but sooner or later, they will have to change. Uh, but yeah, not to go off tangent, to stick to 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 the topic at hand here in Bitcoin. Uh, my question, um, my, another question I wanted to ask you, Theo, was since, you know, with, with your freelance experience and, and working with, with a vast range of clients, have you had any clients in, in your history um, of, of cybersecurity work where you mentioned a lot of them want to build their own tokens and whatnot, NFT projects, but has anyone come to you and said, Theo, I want to build my own project on top of the Bitcoin blockchain? I actually had none. I only had one person that didn't, we just didn't follow through, um, that was interested in Bitcoin forensics. Hmm. Uh, he wanted to find an alternative to chain analysis. Um, so we were talking about that. But uh, for it's it's very new. I think the the Stacks blockchain has been out there for a while, but uh, for Bitcoin development specifically, no, none. I started researching Stacks actually in February because there was a little bit of um, uh, media attention, let's say Web three media attention onto mm. the Stacks blockchain. And I was like, oh, what is this? Let me let me look into it more. Um, and I realized that it's um, it's a very good uh, blockchain if you want to actually like uh, it's look a layer into two, it. if I'm not mistaken, right? And and I'm sure some of the listeners are hearing stacks for the first time and scratching their head, going, "What is Theo talking about? What is this stacks? It's uh, a layer two solution, right? Yeah, it's a proof of transfer." Mm-hmm. Um, you basically mine stacks by stacking or locking up Bitcoin as collateral. Um, it has an integration with Bitcoin directly, and uh, yes, it's uh, a way for for people to build uh, Web three ecosystems projects. Let's say onto uh, Bitcoin, uh, but again, it's uh, another blockchain on top mm. of Bitcoin. Because with Bitcoin, you can't directly do anything with NFTs, tokens. It's not uh, like Ethereum. Uh, it's still, uh, I would still prefer if I had, uh, let's say, my own ecosystem that I knew that I had my, I wouldn't find clients, let's say, through OpenSea to buy my NFT. And I just had a, a small business and I wanted to build something Web3 related to it. I would go directly through Bitcoin instead of Solidity. I'm not trying to 
to find the community through through crypto. I have my own community. I wanted them to go into Web3. I will go through with stacks. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's not there yet to get you community raise, uh, find crypto people to to invest in your project. Gotcha. Well, actually going back, kind of circling back to the NFT topic and, and, and kind of putting fancy JPEGs on, on the web, um, Bitcoin did have, especially with, with the ordinals, right, which I'm sure you're familiar with um, over the past year, kind of ordinals came on the, on the scene where you could encrypt different is it text messages? I mean, t- uh, text words or or images, and you can inscribe them essentially to individual satoshis, and that kind of pumped and and dumped. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't too long lived. But what's your kind of opinion about ordinals, and and have you tampered with them, or this is something you haven't looked into too much? Uh... I did actually, but uh, again, it's like a very, very new technology. Like you're talking about Ethereum has been there, Solidity has been there, it has it has its own developers, mm. uh, Ordinals didn't. Um, so it's just very, very new. That's why there was a big pump and dump. As uh, soon as we get more developers to develop for Bitcoin, um, we will we'll get there and i think it's gonna happen soon um let's uh let's just hope that what i'm thinking is gonna happen in 2030 doesn't happen and we actually keep the market as is and we have this uh all these different cryptocurrencies out there and all these different tokens people are more free to build their own uh, their own things on the blockchain they choose to but uh, I think that it will be the other way around. I think Bitcoin is going to be the only one that stays, and the mo- all these Solidity devs are eventually going to switch to to BTC. I think of the latter as well. I think only one coin's going to prevail. But hey, Theo, we'll have to wait and see. But you got me very intrigued. What is your opinion? What do you think is going to happen in twenty thirty? I, I I really want to hear. Um. I think uh, digital IDs will be rolled out by then because they, in, in Greece at least, they started pushing for uh, not really digitalizing, digitizing, let's say, their IDs, mm. but they started pushing for new IDs, the IDs that we have on the island right now. Um, they're, they're pushing for that to eventually switch onto that. I think... It's going to take time to reach us, but in the U.S. it will definitely happen very, very soon. Like the the whole recession thing, right? I, I think yeah. it would be very hard to resist to it. Uh, you, you've seen what's happening with the politics in the U.S. right now. Um, My dynamics pumping hard. <laughs> I don't really want any of them. I I'll vote for the Kennedy anytime, but I think he's going to die. Let's go, 2024. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. I, I think he's going to die, to be honest. I feel very, very bad. I think it's gonna. they're going to suicide him, let's say. <laughs> yeah, well, his family doesn't have the best record of, of surviving in, in the political stage, but uh, as let's see. Let's see. You never know. Maybe, maybe change will happen. Maybe change will happen. But going back to, to this sensitive topic of, of digital IDs and kind of the government kind of taking a more digital 
uh, control over us, may that be digital IDs, as you said, may that be financially with CBDCs. As a cybersecurity expert, what are, in your opinion, implications on people's self-sovereignty and kind of people's control over their lives in real life and digital lives? Oh, people today don't understand that they need to, to have privacy, that it's their right to be free. People today, like if you see Gen Z, has no idea what privacy is. They legit don't look for it because they don't understand what it is. They don't understand that it's because they were born in this, right? I'm saying they, but I, I might even be considered Gen Z. Like people were born into a society where their whole life have, have been controlled. So they're like, what, what if I just sell my, my data to this company? And what if I sell my data to X company? They don't really see how this harms them. They don't really understand how how important it is to be free. And uh, yeah, digital IDs, I think, will be rolled out. 15-minute cities will be a thing. We'll basically become China. Uh, the West will become China very, very soon. Um, and uh, China is in control. I'm not saying like the people or anything. I just see it's the government. It's a different culture, different society, right? It's, yeah. uh, you can't really compare the two. Uh, but I think that's gonna be coming very, very soon, and uh, I just feel bad for like the next generations because they're never gonna feel what if what it what it feels like to be free, uh, unless obviously we take some steps to prevent that, unless like their parents start investing in BTC and they mm. keep everything in cold wallets until until unless that happens then I don't see any way out for them. Well, uh, the, 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 the conversation kind of took a, a dark turn, uh, but to, to bring it back to light a little bit, what are some suggestions in your opinion, Theo, that, that we could take in order to prevent this Orwellian dream coming to life and, and the governments having this full control over us? What can we and Generation Z's and all generations of, of planet Earth can do today to help prevent this from from taking place. Uh, well, I think like uh, your that your listeners have uh, some understanding of Web three, or they're trying to get into it. I'll say like just research, research what's uh, what people, the conspiracy theorists, uh, not flat earthers and things like that, but the, what the uh, our type of conspiracy the, conspiracy theorists say that might happen. Like look into digital IDs, see uh, what uh, CBDCs are. Like look into all this, and that will encourage you into learning about how to create your own cold wallet, how to um, like make your own hardware eventually, your own software, how to create a safe environment for yourself uh, by just being uh let's say not untraceable but at least somewhere somewhere there because untraceable you can never be untraceable with today's age yeah i i I couldn't agree more but i mean traceability this is a big factor you know that people talk about you know bitcoin's not private and you know kind of i don't want anyone seeing what i do but then i kind of question myself you know if an individual really wants all of his transactions to be private, then in most cases they're trying to hide something. Because if you're a 
average person, let's say law-abiding citizen, uh, if you have nothing to hide, then then what do you care if your transactions can be seen on on the Bitcoin blockchain? That's that's the whole power of Bitcoin blockchain that anybody can audit the chain at any point in time, right? The, all the on-chain data is available. Uh, but I, I like what you said, kind of <laughs> in in a humble way for people to stack sats and, and and learn how to opt out of the system before it's too late. Because once CBDCs come in rolling, uh, yeah, it's going to be much harder to, I'm sure they're going to make it much harder for people to acquire BTC and, and just the general on and off ramps uh, definitely won't be as easy as they are today. But thankfully, things take time. Um, I don't think we will see CBDCs tomorrow. Uh, they might come sooner than people expect, but still... If, if enough people stand up and, and oppose it, as we've seen, I don't know, Thea, if, if you've seen, but the, the digital Naira in Nigeria um, was roll, rolled out earlier this summer. Um, and, and that had a fascinating fail. Nobody wanted to use it. Everybody opted for Bitcoin and, and just good old hard cash in hand. Even, even that's kind of slowly starting to get um, taken out of society. But... I mean, kind of, I think at this stage, when CBDCs roll in, that's going to be a big light bulb moment for people to to look at BTC and say, oh my God, maybe, you know, there is something in this technology and, you know, I can really protect my own wealth and, and preserve it from, you know, governments having full control, freezing, you know, giving me a rule guide where I can spend my money, where I can travel to, how far I can go in my car. Uh, mm -hmm. To be honest, it, it's it's... <laughs> It sounds like a horror movie to me, right? This this fifteen minute series, uh, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy, and I and I think the only way out, honestly, it's it's not because I'm the host of the show, but the only way out of the system is through stacking sats, having your Bitcoin, and just choosing to transact with your peers, with merchants directly in Bitcoin. Forget the off ramp. There is no. I think it's an oxymoron to be sending Bitcoin for fiat, which depreciates every day and with inflation is just worth less and less. Uh, just kind of keep keep accumulating your savings and sats. And whenever the time comes, you can just freely go to your Saturday market and buy your bananas and potatoes and <laughs> you know zap some sats to to the grandma, granddad at the stall. If, they, if they're not accepting, you can very quickly install Wallet of Satoshi and, and try and orange pill them that way. Uh, but I think yeah. kind of that's the, 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 the only way out uh, that I personally see out of this kind of, you know, uh, controlled indeed. future we're going to. Indeed, indeed. Just hold on and, uh, and just forget what everyone says pretty much. Just, uh, oh, the market crashed. Oh, the market pumped. Like, <laughs> what do you care? You're here for the long term. You're Correct. not trading. You're not like... Uh, gambling your money into no leverage shipping. trading no margin trading guys if 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 you heard those terms forget them that's just there for the casinos to get richer and richer which are aka exchanges so buy your spot bitcoin withdraw <laughs> exactly and, and 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 live a happy life yeah, but you also mentioned like uh being traceable everything on the on the chain is being traceable uh my main thing, like when I started in forensics, uh, before even the the scummy like situation came up, uh, my favorite 
pastime at that, at one point in my life was to just sit there and like I downloaded uh, the the, the bit mempo. history. <laughs> yeah, I, I I downloaded the the chain and uh, I just sat there like reading through messages because I discovered this uh, the original Satoshi message on the chain yeah. um, on the first block. And I With was the like Chancellor hmm. going for asking for a second bailout of the banks. That was a uh, yeah, that a was, nice message to put into the I Genesis found block. It amazing and uh, that's when i kind of like oh let's see what else is in there you can find some very very dark things like it's like going on to i don't know web. or <laughs> no just uh, meme people it's like uh, you can find some very weird things on there very dark things on there but you can find some funny as memes that you don't expect <laughs> like you're there translating the the code and you're like what what why <laughs> But yeah, it was nice. Instead of like articles and uh, popular media, I, at one point in my life, all I was doing was going on there and reading the chain. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's 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 true. I mean, it's it's fascinating, and you know, as as we go forward and more and more people get orange pilled and 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 enter the the, the Bitcoin ecosystem, many more funny and secret messages will be inscribed uh, on the blocks that will be mined. So. Uh, if you guys are interested, follow, follow Theo's journey and and and, and definitely uh, see for yourself what you might find in in in, in the different cryptographic messages. Perfect. Um, I guess um, so. Yeah, I guess Theo, wh- wh- where is your journey now with Bitcoin and kind of what's next with with with, uh, with what you're doing? You mentioned you 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 are you're kind of tapping further into stacks. And learning more about that, um, is there anything else on your Bitcoin journey horizon that you have in plans? Um, currently, uh, looking through um, actually educating some people, uh, especially in my field, cybersecurity, people of Web uh, two, to just go like find the. A lot of people don't find a reason to move into Web three still. And I'm mm. um, trying to like uh, just educate people more through seminars and like actually push them to go into Web3 because we need more security people in Web3. Definitely more developers, but uh, we're lacking security people. And uh, they are the ones that are actually going to make the developers that uh, have, are leaving the industry. The Web3 industry lost a lot of uh, developers when the market dumped. Mm. And uh, just give them a reason through explaining like how security works and all that to, to actually stay in the field. Because uh, I've seen a lot of developers recently as well after the the Viber incident. I I had to explain to some people that this has happened a year ago with Java, uh, which is a Web two language. Yeah. And I think some were like 50 or 60% of organizations still haven't patched that issue. So that is happening in Web2 as well. And uh, Web2 has been there for like, what, 30 years now, more. So just to keep people in the field and not push them away, depending on the market. Mm. Definitely. Um If, you know, all of us doing our fair share of orange peeling people around us is, is, is one of the most crucial things we could do but that with that being said maybe that leads me to to my final question and um to you theo and essentially the question that i give to all of our guests on the show 
which is what is one piece of, or even two, up to you, how many advice you want to give, but at least what's, what's in, your, in, in your opinion, the most important advice that you would give to people that are not yet in, in, in Bitcoin and don't have any Satoshis, what is a piece of advice that you want to leave them with on, on this episode? Uh, to begin with, is like people that are listening to us and they're maybe uh, developers in Web2. So I'll start with that is say, um, look into it, look into the market um because that's how i started right like a lot of people say you know you shouldn't look at the market don't uh, don't do trading or don't do anything if they look at the market and how uh, bump uh, pump and tub dumps happen they can understand how traders think and learn more about the technology mm. going into uh, web3 in enthusiasts let's say that still haven't invested also buy satoshis buy i don't know 200 euro worth of satoshis is not something that's going to harm you obviously like maybe 200 euros a lot but um just just invest just start investing in it see like keep the satoshis that you have but just start somewhere. When you start, like it's easier for you to go on, and uh, yeah, more research definitely. Like learn more about the the field. I like it. I like it. As you guys heard it, to 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 recap, have some skin in the game, as Theo says. Buy your first batch of even fifty euros. I mean, we all get different salaries, right? But anything, just just get your little. You know, stat, stash of Satoshis, start transacting, small transactions, get the feel of it. Because, um, yeah, if, if you just look at all this data from the outside, it might be a little bit overwhelming. But, you know, get, get, get your feet wet, as they say. Um, start testing it out. And then definitely, I guess, like nearly every single guest that was on the show stresses education, how important it is for you to, to study and that may be, you know, even watching YouTube videos. No one's saying to go ahead and, and read Save Dean and, and, and all of these incredible Bitcoin books. Of course, if you like books like myself, that's the best way to go for it. Uh, but if you don't, if you prefer audio or visual content, there is plenty of it out there. And just get yourself to, to, to study a little bit every week. Um, and, and over time, essentially, that knowledge accumulates and your aha moment will come much, much sooner than the average person who, who honestly doesn't care about Bitcoin or, or self-sovereignty. So I think those were some really good advice from you, Theo. And, yeah. um, um, <clears throat> as soon as you learn more about the technology, then I think like your motivation like comes because you understand like how well it's built. Like you, you find the motivation to invest by yourself uh, as soon as you learn more about how it works. Yeah, that, that that's when your Bitcoin addiction starts because once it clicks, there's there's no going back. It's uh, like that first toke of a cigarette, and then it's game over. You're you're hooked. So I guess with Bitcoin has has a similar path. You know, once once you have that hook moment, uh, there's no looking back. But I hope to all the listeners, you have that hook moment sooner than later. And uh, and yeah, we, we I really hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, the episode once again thanks a lot Theo for taking the time uh, to come on and, and, and share your incredible story I personally found it very entertaining and and uh, I'm very curious uh, 
to hear what's next um, with your career and, and kind of your Bitcoin journey. And yeah, once again, thanks a lot for, for joining us, Theo, and we'd love to have you back in the future um, as we progress and, and see where else your Bitcoin journey takes you. No, thank you very much for having me on. Very welcome. All right, guys. Um, thanks again for joining in and, and listening to today's um, episode. We hope you thoroughly also enjoyed it. And definitely we'll see you next Thursday on next week's episode. Take care now, guys.